You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today, you guys, I'm really excited about having Stephanie Hall with me. Before I introduce Stephanie to you, I want to let you know about a contest we're having. Stephanie has written the book, The Enneagram in Love. It came out in June. And the full title is The Enneagram in Love, A Roadmap for Building and Strengthening Romantic Relationships. And I'm so excited about this book. I think it's so interesting. She addresses all the different Enneagram romantic combinations. So you'll definitely be able to find your romantic relationship in this book and get some insight into it from an Enneagram expert. In order to enter the contest, one, you can post a quick embarrassing story on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag at Fancy Free Podcast, or you can go to fancyfreepodcast.com and click the big red button and send me a voice memo of your embarrassing story. Make sure you tell me whether or not you'd be willing to allow the audio on the show because one of you may be our star guest on our new segment, which is Listener Stories. We will have this contest run for two weeks from the day that this episode is aired. So get your entries in before midnight on November 16th. On November 17th, I will choose a random winner, and then I will order Stephanie's book from one of my local indie bookstores here in Missoula, Fact and Fiction, and I will have it sent to you. Steph is a speaker, certified Enneagram coach, and author. Steph founded her Instagram page at Nine Types Co. in 2017. So you guys, she's been doing this long before it became super popular as a way to explore her own interest in the Enneagram, and it's grown into a community of people who are all learning about the Enneagram themselves and their relationships together. She specializes in bringing clarity to complex concepts and communicating the Enneagram in a way that is relatable and concise so that it can be transformative for all. Stephanie, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Okay, fill in the blanks. What did I miss about who you are and what you do? (laughs) Well, you got many of the points there, but a couple other things. I also have a podcast called Ask an Enneagram Coach, which is really fun. And then I live in Northern California with my husband and our dog. We have an Australian cattle dog who we love, obviously. And also I am finishing up my master's right now in organizational communication. And that really plays into how I talk about the Enneagram. Wow, that's so exciting. Awesome. And what's your dog's name? (laughs) His name's Cannon. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay, let's go right into your rapid fire questions. Do you have a song lyric that you got wrong that's funny? This is one of my embarrassing stories. It's Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely had a moment where I was at a church camp and was singing a church song. And, and they just like really extended this, this eye out, you know, and then <laughs> accidentally, I, you know, I was delirious, I was tired, whatever. And I sang, I will Al- always love you by Whitney Houston instead of whatever the church song lyric was. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you were at the top of your lungs, please. I, I totally was, you know, you are when you're at church camp and everything. Yes. And so I was like, oh my God. And it's Whitney the Houston moment. too. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. You have to belt her. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. I love it. So did you get some some sideways glances like, wait, what was that girl? 
<laughs> I cannot remember even. I, I think I was like so mortified. You blacked out. I was just like, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is totally something I would do. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay. What is your favorite purchase this year? My house, actually. <laughs> oh, how uh, exciting. That's a big one. Yeah. So we bought a house earlier this year, uh, literally perfect timing a week before the shutdown started for COVID and everything, but definitely grateful for it. I mean, I'm sure like many people, my work definitely depends on people's businesses doing well. I lost mm-hmm. all of my income a week after we bought our oh, house, which was cool. Because <laughs> you're basically consulting with businesses. Mm-hmm. And doing social media management. Oh, wow. That's really scary. Yeah, so scary. But it's been fine. What is your Enneagram number? Type three. Okay. I've been on the edge of my seat with this one because I'm like, surely she'll say what it is in her podcast. I'm like, she's not saying, and I feel like I can't tell, which is actually a really big props to you, you know, for being <laughs> objective and universally appealing. But I'm like, what the heck? What is it? <laughs> yeah. But three makes six. When did you discover that? In 2015, I was first introduced to it. I was using a different motivation-based personality system at the time. And my husband was like, oh, you might like the Enneagram. And I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm fine. And then a few months later, of course, my sister was like, oh, you should really look into the Enneagram. So that was 2016. I really started getting into it and took a quick online test, which is not how I recommend people find a type. But I took an online test and was like, oh my gosh, I won the Enneagram. I'm the achiever. And quickly realized, (laughs) oh, that's not what that means. (laughs) I love it. That's so cute. What is the silliest thing you have an emotional attachment to? This is kind of funny, but I I have these clay or like ceramic things that I made when I was in elementary school. Oh, There's still colors that I really like. And so I have two things. I have one that's a jewelry dish. I formed them or whatever, and then they were kiln fired and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it has like this like charcoal color glaze on it that I like. So I have a ring dish. And then I also have like a, a spoon rest in the kitchen that's an olive green. That you kept track of all these years and they didn't break. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I know. Aww. It's so silly, but I love them. <laughs> well, as you know, the point of this podcast is to share our not so fancy moments with our audience so that they feel less alone and yeah. they can see the value in sharing these stories to forge connection and laughter and just to realize that no one's as fancy as they look. So what do you have for us today? So you already heard my Whitney Houston moment, which <laughs> I just think is so, I don't know, it's just so epic, just like belting out Whitney Houston in the middle of a, a church service. <laughs> I love it so much. But you know, so I'm an Enneagram 3. What type are you? I'm a 2. Died in the wool. Okay, cool. So I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to talk about these embarrassing things. But I love other podcasts that I've listened to that are sharing embarrassing moments from younger (laughs) years. So I listened to a few other podcast episodes and I was like, is this going to be too embarrassing? Like, are my embarrassing stories too embarrassing? Uh, But I think they're okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, once you listen to a couple episodes, you're like, oh, she pooped her pants and she, yeah, no, we're good. (laughs) Yeah. To answer your query, I was born embarrassed. I grew up so embarrassed. (laughs) I was like embarrassed to be alive all through middle school and Mm -hmm. maybe even into high school. I think what I had to do is I had to experience a couple of these moments and realize, number one, I did not die. And number two, because I'm such a caretaker of other people, which is kind of what a number two, I'm a helper Mm -hmm. and a caretaker. And I'm just like always feeling other people's emotions really strongly. 
I came to understand really quickly that the more vulnerable I am, the more comfortable other people feel. And so mm-hmm. I felt like, I let me just show my underbelly so that everyone can just be like, oh, okay, she's nothing I have to live up to. She's like normal, relatable person. And so I kind of developed this self-deprecating humor pretty early on. But then as I got older, I really started seeing the value of it in relationships. So yeah. that's where I'm coming from. But it is hard. I cool. mean, these moments are embarrassing for a reason. It, it is hard to share it. And I think what you have to do is just have your 30 seconds of brave and just uh-huh. put it out there and realize what a gift it is going to be to others. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely humanizing. And I think as an Enneagram three, a lot of the time we spend so much time trying to be robotic and efficient and to seem perfect. And then it, mm-hmm. so it's like, we need that humanizing factor. <laughs> so this one is so embarrassing to me. When I tell this story or think about the story, I can just feel the 15, 16 year old girl and me like oh, melting of cringing. embarrassment. Oh, yeah. I want to go back and hug her. <laughs> I know, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah. It's going to be okay. So, actually, maybe I was a little bit older. Maybe I was like 16, 17. So, basically, when I was in high school, I had this chronic illness. So, basically, it started with mono, which, of course, mm. my doctor was like, You had to have been kissing a boy. And I, at that time, I was like, I've never kissed anyone. I would have loved to. Why do you keep asking? Are you kidding? Oh, shame on that doctor. I know. Oh, that's terrible. Because you can get, my sister had it in high school too. She was definitely not kissing boys at that point. (laughs) But you know, it's like strep. You can get it lots of different ways. Sharing a toothbrush or touching a glass that somebody's just, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Little public service announcement there (laughs) on the side. He made my mom leave the room so he could ask me. I was like, Oh, like this is so embarrassing. Anyway, I do know how I got it though, because there's this guy in my math class and we sat next to each other and he took my water bottle off my desk and drank it and then put it back. I was like, Hey, give me that. And then I drank it. He was like, Oh, by the way, I have mono. (gasps) No. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I got it. And he was out for like a week. Maybe I got like deathly ill. It was awful. And I'd always played sports, but obviously I couldn't, you know, for, for so long. And so When I came back from having mono, I still was having a really, really hard time recovering. When I had mono, I had it so bad that I had to get blood tests every single week or maybe more often. Maybe it was like twice a week just to make sure that my spleen was okay. Like my organs were still functioning. So after a while, the doctors noticed something weird with my white blood cells. They're like, you might have cancer um, Mm. or leukemia or something. So they sent me to an oncologist. And I didn't, but I had what they called benign. I'm sure you know about this benign leukemia. So leukopenia. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening with me is I was just exhausted all the time. I was on antibiotics because my immune system was totally shot, but I was just so tired. I literally had a standing note to not go to the first half of my school day because I was so exhausted. Oh my yeah. gosh, you poor thing. I know it was awful. And like, even when I would go to school, I I was trying to get back into sports and everything. My coaches were really pressuring me to get back, which was another whole thing. Kidding me. So I would go to practice in the morning and then I would go and like, I had no energy left. So I'd sleep through my classes. It's it's a miracle. Like I That is definitely <laughs> the wrong way for the adults in your life to be pushing you. I can't oh you poor thing. I know. I actually dislocated both of my shoulders because of how quickly like my body wasn't ready to come back, but oh, they pushed me so gosh. hard. I know. It was just like a crazy time. What was your sport? Basketball. Oh my gosh. Wow. But we had a really intense program and so this all was happening in the spring and we had boot camp. And so they are pushing me to get back. And I was like, I can barely walk 25 feet <laughs> right now, but mm-hmm. okay. 
Oh my gosh. Anyway, that was like end of my sophomore year of high school, beginning of my junior year. Things were going a little bit better. I was back in sports, but I still had this leukopenia thing. I was also diagnosed with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Mm. So I would just like pass out all the time. Mm-hmm. I had all these health things going on. Oh so <laughs> I was so tired. We had lunchtime in the middle of a class. So we went to the first half of our class with my friends and everything and then lunch and then went back to class. And I had probably been sleeping in class. I was just a walking zombie. I was just so tired. So I went to the lunch line and my mom had given me a check that morning to pay for my lunch. It was just to go into my account. So I was there and there's this guy from my class that we were like kind of friends. He was a basketball player too. And really smart. And we had a lot of classes together. And I, you know, I I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. You know, I'll say his name because there are so many of them in the world, but his name was Peter Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That does not narrow it down whatsoever. (laughs) No, no. I've met so many Peter Kims in my life. So we were in the lunch line and I went up to the register and I had the billfold that there was a section where you could put your bills and like your checks or whatever. But that's also (laughs) where I happened to put panty liners so that I could just keep them hidden and mm-hmm. would need it like if it was an emergency, right? So yeah. I'm like, so tired, if you can imagine, just in this weird fog. I walk up to the register. Peter Kim is standing behind me. And I reach into my wallet without looking and pull out the check and try to hand it to the cashier. And she doesn't take it. So I like look up at her face. And she's giving me this weird look. And I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> uh, and then... I look down at my hand and I'm holding the panty liner, not the check. And I'm just like handing it. I mean, can you just imagine the 16, 17 year old girl just like, oh my God. I might, at that age, I I maybe would have just died right there on the spot. Dead gone. No, can't come back from it. Oh, you poor thing. And I was like, I don't like the, you know, Peter, he's standing behind me and he kind of was like, ugh. Uh, this is a little awkward. Fortunately, I had sisters, so he didn't actually die either. Oh, I was going to say, Peter Kim probably didn't even know what that thing was. Oh, no, oh, he, he has totally sisters. Did, okay, but... yes, Peter Kim does. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think I was in such a daze as well. I was mortified, but I also didn't have the energy to do anything about it. I was just like, oh, well, <laughs> like grab the check, paid for my pizza or whatever, and went on my way. Right. Oh, man. I was so embarrassed and I still like laugh thinking about it. Poor (laughs) high school Stephanie. So sad. That's my embarrassing moment. And then we went back to class and I'm pretty sure I acted like nothing ever happened. And Uh at that age, those boys, they are probably too embarrassed to even mention what that is to another guy. So he probably didn't tell anyone. (laughs) The story probably just ended right there with Peter Kim. But but (laughs) what I want to (laughs) know, Peter, if you're out there, Peter... (laughs) I know. I want to know if maybe he giggled about it. Maybe he still giggles about it. Or maybe he prays for you. (laughs) (laughs) What a nice guy. Uh, Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure he didn't tell any of his buddies because if he had, you would have heard about it, I think. Yeah, probably. And we almost went to college together too, which would have been crazy. (laughs) So... (laughs) Then you could have just had a couple of beers together and laughed about it and it would have been over. I'm sure, yeah. Didn't have <laughs> oh, <a chance>. <laughs> oh my gosh. So embarrassing. Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Is that the most embarrassing story you've ever heard? Probably not. <laughs> oh heck no. No, it's right it's just right in line. You're fitting in so perfect. I have one thing to say about putting your yeah. panty liner in your wallet. 
I think that is brilliant. I've never, it never had a, yeah, with my girls at school, because they're not allowed to carry their backpacks. I have high school girls. Yeah. Well, this year they probably will because they're not going to be given a locker, so they're going to have to carry their backpacks. Mm -hmm. So that could be kind of a good thing. But my poor girls, it's like, well, where do you put your tampon? Right. I actually had another girl. I think it was Brandy Ferner. Her episode is really good. I'm Mm going to link it in the show notes. But she had a tampon up her sleeve and she tripped and fell in the lunchroom and it went flying out. Oh my God. It was yeah, very similar, very similar to your story. <laughs> but you know, I've had things like that happen as an adult, but I'm not embarrassed by it. Right. I'm like, right, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just like a normal thing. But like in high school, it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, exactly. When you're in that <laughs> fragile period of life where you're just yeah. embarrassed to exist, or at least I was, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm trying to live out Seventeen magazine. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, it is not it's not going well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. If you were perfect, nobody would like you, right? I guess that's very true. <laughs> nobody would be able to relate. Everyone would be like, I can't live up. I'm not worthy. You know what I mean? So yeah. Anyhow. I should really let these things out more because people often yeah. tell me I'm I'm intimidating. And I think if they knew those humanizing factors. Yes. That's exactly one of the reasons why I started sharing these because yeah. it started for me maybe when I was at mops tables mm-hmm. when my kids were little. And I would usually just not even mention what I did for a living because it's like, well, I'm not doing it now. It has nothing to do with my current life. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're doing icebreakers and people are saying like where they went to college and what they did before they had kids, mm-hmm. blah, blah, it kind of comes out. So anyway, these ladies at my first mops table, knew that I was a physician. And I felt like they looked at me like that was somehow a very intimidating fact. And I'd been told before Mm -hmm. in the past that I was intimidating because I'm kind of a high achiever, whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I mean, from the inside, I'm like, are you kidding? Why in the world would you be intimidated by me? Yeah. (laughs) But apparently it's true. I think I have a pretty strong three wings. I can totally relate to trying to have it seem like I have it all together sometimes, you know, because you like, you want to represent, right? It's not because I'm trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. I'm just trying to put my best foot forward because I think I should, you know? Exactly. But I started sharing some of those stories at the mops table and I'm still really close to some of those ladies today. And I think part of it is because once you give a story, then it reminds other people of their stories. It makes them laugh. Then they tell their story. Then it reminds you of more stories. It has this domino effect. Everybody just all of a sudden is like, oh my gosh, we are bonding over these crazy stories. It's not just me. Mm -hmm. It happens to everybody. Even just laughing together is such a bonding thing. And I think that it can definitely lead to depth of relationship. Laughter doesn't have to just be about something superficial. So anyway, that's my take on it. Yeah, I love (laughs) it. Love it. It's great. Yeah. So I definitely think you should think about sharing these things more often. Yeah, definitely. Do you have another not so fancy moment in college? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I am not in this tradition anymore, but I grew up in a pretty fairly conservative, fairly strict faith tradition. And that's the type of college I went to as well. And so that I think that's important to note because the guys at this college were so about purity and like being proper and, and, you know, women are the stumbling block and all this type of stuff. It was definitely like you don't date anyone unless you are going to marry them. And definitely like you don't ever see anyone with uh, less than like even like no bikini type thing. Like, Hmm, like there was my apartment complex had a swimming pool and the women were not allowed to wear. I mean, I never went in the pool because I didn't have a one piece swimsuit. Like, I don't, I mean, I didn't like those weren't really cool then. They're kind of cool now. Like everyone is like, I would, oh, I would be like, oh, those aren't flattering on me. My, my waist is as long as the day is long and there is no way <laughs> I can squeeze this body into a one piece swimsuit. It would definitely be less appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Right. 
me up. I'm sorry, but when men are making rules, they don't really think about that. <laughs> so it's they so don't really ridiculous. think about like women with longer torsos cannot fit. Would you rather have my one piece flossing my booty? Or would you rather have me in a really good fitting two piece? <laughs> right, exactly. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, they geez. just don't realize the hazards. But anyway, like <laughs> not allowed to show your belly button type thing. So wow. definitely a lot of a lot of rules, a lot of things like that. And you know, I was trying to like I was a straight A student. I was like a high achiever, whatever. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be this good Christian girl and everything. So I, I was I was doing my best. Yeah. Which is again, I want to say no judgment. Totally fine. It's just like not where I'm at anymore. But I appreciate when people have those traditions and, and they ascribe to them and yeah. that, that, that works for them. So we, there's this guy. He was guy cool. He like I think he was like a surfer type guy. I don't really know. But but he was also known for being like very pure and whatever that means. But that mattered in this context. And so one day I was leaving my apartment complex and then I was gonna ride my bike to my boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, to his house. <laughs> and I grabbed my bike and I went out of the front gate and I threw my purse over my shoulder. It was a crossbody bag. So I just like threw it over my head mm-hmm. and yep. um, jumped on my bike and I was riding down this path. And then this guy was walking down the street and I rode up next to him and we just started talking. He was like, oh, how are you doing? Where are you going? Blah, blah, blah. And so we were having this conversation and he might've been looking at me a little weird. I don't know. I wasn't really that concerned. <laughs> and at the end of the street, he went one direction to his house, I, I turned the opposite direction on my bike to my boyfriend's house. And while I was talking with him, I was actually riding my bike the whole time. So he I, just slowly next to him. So I turned the corner, still on my bike. I looked down and my shirt was unbuttoned to my belly button. <gasps> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and so full you're like, why no. wasn't I feeling a cold breeze? <laughs> right. Well, it's Southern California is hot. And I was like, oh my God. And how I was raised, you're always supposed to wear a tank top just in case. I don't like to wear like a cami underneath my shirt. So I just wore like a button on my shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So I like literally still riding my bike, buttoned my shirt as fast as humanly possible. Oh no. Like I I'm so glad you didn't crash. I know riding hands-free was just like, going, I was like, oh my gosh. Cause I think what happened was when I threw my bag over, it pressed down one side. And I, I'm sure a lot of women can relate with this where like mm-hmm. one side of your shirt gets pushed down and it unbuttons the buttons. Totally. You're like, okay, who chose these buttonhole sizes? These are way too big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh my gosh. And I was mortified because, and I'm sure that this guy was embarrassed. Like he's not supposed to see like boobs, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. It turns out you have your sizzling hot red bra under there that nobody's ever supposed to see until you get married. <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And I only lived a quarter mile from my boyfriend's house. So I was still like flushed and embarrassed by the time I got there and like shaking. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this happened. And I told our friend who was also there, but I did not tell my boyfriend until we were engaged. Like it felt like inappropriate to tell him. I can't even say the word bra in front of this guy. Until I know. Oh. So funny. And then that guy, we were in adjacent friend groups, but I never talked to him again. And by the way, now he's not quite so pure. <laughs> right, right. Not anymore. I know his secret. Like, I'm sorry I sullied you. I did not mean to. <laughs> I know. He worked at the cafe on campus and I would see him occasionally, but it was just like so awkward. I would like never really make 
eye contact. You're like, oh, I guess I'm not eating anymore until summer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can remember when I was in middle school, high school, even college, if your bra strap showed, you were mortified. Now we wear outfits, you know, on purpose to show our bra straps, right? It's Mm -hmm. like part of our outfit. But back then, if you wore a cami under your shirt, it better not show. It wasn't part of your outfit like it is now. Not only were you in that purity culture, but it's only very recently. Times have changed. (laughs) Undergarments were much more of like a hush-hush thing that we never Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about or show. For sure. I'm not asking you to tell me, but do you remember that guy's name? Yes. I will never forget. (laughs) But since then, I think he's changed his name. (laughs) It's just kidding. (laughs) I saw her bra. Now I have to change my name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. My sister has a similar story where she, but she she hasn't told on a podcast yet because I don't know why it's like so hard for, my sister lives down the road. So of course we can't seem to manage to get on a podcast at the same time. (laughs) Great stories, but she went to a Christian college that was actually a working ranch, and she got an mm. associate's degree in ranch management. Well, she wow. was dismounting a horse in front of this guy that she had a crush on. You know, a lot of times Western shirts are snaps instead of buttons. Yeah. Well, her uh-huh. shirt got caught on the horn of the saddle as she was dismounting, and it totally opened up in front of this guy that was her, <laughs> her crush at the time, and she was so mortified. So I'll have to have her tell that story because she's it's so funny when she tells it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and isn't it like, uh, well, don't you want to see what you're working with? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you weren't crushing on me before, like, hello. Now you are. Uh, right. This is what I got going on under here. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to show you, but now that I have. (laughs) Somehow it's not how our brains function with that, that scenario. It's like, that was really unintentional and that's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. You're young, you're embarrassed. Uh, Although, I mean, I don't know. I think young girls these days, based on what they're posting on their Instagram is they're maybe like way more comfortable with their bodies than we were at that age. (laughs) You know, I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for telling me those stories. It's amazing to me how they come in so many different shapes, sizes, and varieties. You are my 69th interview. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I haven't heard the same story twice. It's so great. I love it so much. It's time to talk about what you've been loving lately that you think the listeners might love too. I'm a coach, so I talk with people about a lot of different things, but basically personal growth and stuff like that. So I have a couple of friends who are also into the Enneagram who are therapists or studying to be therapists. And so we have all these really deep conversations. And so recently I picked up the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. He is a psychiatrist. And he talks about the way that trauma is held in our bodies. And it's just fascinating. Even like the physiological stuff, there are like brain scans in it and stuff like that. It's just so fascinating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Oh, I um, love stuff like that. And then I've Mm -hmm, also been loving, I read quote unquote, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I go for long walks in the morning with my dog. And I've been loving the book Playing Big by Tara Moore. It is a fantastic book for women to come into their own. And it talks about this concept of the inner critic and then the inner mentor. So learning to listen to the inner mentor Mm. instead of the inner critic. Talk to me too about the show Great News and the podcast Against the Rules. Yes. So Great News is on Netflix. I think it was created by Tina Fey actually, but it's about kind of the background behind the news. I love shows like that. Shows like Newsroom or The Morning Show, any kind of show that's about how the news is made. That's my kind of show. 
It had a really short run on Netflix, but it's a fantastic show. It's so funny, really uplifting. Okay. Well, I love Tina Fey. She's so amazing. Oprah interviewed her recently on her podcast and it was so good. Oh, really? Okay. I'll have to go listen mm-hmm. to that. I love Tina Fey as well. And then the podcast Against the Rules by Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis wrote Moneyball and The Big Short. The Big Short is one of my favorite movies as well. So he created this podcast basically about rule breakers. This latest season is about coaching. So he looks at all these different types of coaches. Oh, interesting. It's fascinating and like kind of takes on different perspectives. I mean, one of them is about a tennis coach and one of them is about like a voice coach. So all these different things. It's just Mm -hmm. fascinating. I love things that are just a little bit different where I can learn something. So I've been loving that. Have you heard Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell? He's the one who wrote Outliers. You reminded me of it. I find him really interesting. I actually love the content. I hate his voice. Oh, I hate his voice so much. I almost can't stand it because of that. But now I'm kind of through it because he has such a great sense of humor and he laughs at the Mm -hmm. same kind of things that I laugh at. Like I'll be thinking some totally inappropriate thing that no one in a serious podcast or journalistic stance would ever say. And then he says it and I'm like, yes. (laughs) 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 So that cracks me up. Anytime I don't like someone's voice on a podcast, though, if I speed it up, it's okay. Oh, I don't know why. I love the idea of that. I've always speed up audiobooks because Mm -hmm. I'm impatient, but I've never thought to speed up a (laughs) podcast. That's brilliant. One and a half speed is normally pretty perfect. Oh, that's a good tip. That's like a life hack right there. Well, tell the listeners where they can find you on your website and tell us about your podcast again and all the places where they can find you online. I'm on Instagram. That's where you can find me most easily. Instagram at nine types co. So I talk all about the Enneagram and growth and communication and relationships, all that kind of stuff. And also you can find me on my website, which is nine types.co. My Instagram is nine types co. My website is nine types.co. And then my podcast, which is called Ask an Enneagram Coach. And basically, I just answer all the questions that listeners send in about the Enneagram or their type or their spouse's type or whatever. I talk about any and all things Enneagram. And it's really fun. It's a really great way for me to answer a lot of questions. And I'm hoping to have some other Enneagram expert guests on soon so that we can like kind of get a more well-rounded perspective of all of these different questions. Awesome. These dynamics are so interesting to me. And I've always Mm -hmm. been a personality type junkie. I only learned about the Enneagram about maybe two years ago. And I love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a completely different perspective than the Myers-Briggs or the sanguine, choleric, melancholy, phlegmatic. Mm -hmm. That's the first construct that I learned. I love all of these different things because I feel like a lot of the time people, they want to say, oh, if you're an INFJ, then you have to be a type five or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but actually really like, I love looking at all these different facets of ourselves that kind of come out. It kind of makes up the whole of our person, you know? Yeah, yeah. For me, maybe sometimes my zodiac sign or whatever is a more helpful growth tool, or sometimes my strengths finder results are more helpful. You know, with the Enneagram, I think there is so much permission to really to grow and to to look deeper inside yourself. And I think that that is so, so important. Yes, I do too. I, I think the better you can understand yourself and your loved ones, the, the more harmony there's going to be, the better mm-hmm. you can love each other and the better you can work together and the better you can grow together. And I just, I just find it so, even mm-hmm. the love languages, which 
I have a really hard time swallowing the um, saccharine flavor of any of the writings about the love languages, but I feel like the construct is so valid. Yeah. Just knowing that has really helped. Oh my gosh, you're so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. This has been really awesome. Yeah, this has been great. Glad I got to air my uh, my embarrassing stories. <laughs> it takes a little bit of the power away from them too. And it's like, it's out. Everybody knows. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Now everyone's going to be like stalking Peter Kim on Facebook. Like, which Peter Kim was it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast. Wasn't Stephanie amazing? I just loved how brave she was. Not only was she transparent enough to let me know that it was scary and hard for her to share her embarrassing stories, but then she shared them and they were so great and we had so much fun discussing them and she was just, she was so brave. She faced her fear. Make sure you check out the show notes for today's episode at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 72 to check out all of the links that we discussed today. Next week on the show, we have Tracy Lamarie. She is a publicist and she has actually some celebrity embarrassing moments. So that is a really fun. You got to make sure you come back for next week and make sure that you enter the contest to win a copy of Stephanie's book, The Enneagram in Love. As a reminder, you can enter by posting about an embarrassing moment that you've had on Instagram or Facebook and tagging at Fancy Free Podcast. Or you can leave a voice memo either by emailing it to notfancy at fancyfreepodcast.com or going to fancyfreepodcast.com and clicking the red button and recording a quick little summary of your embarrassing story. And make sure you let me know whether or not you're okay with that audio ending up on the show. And then not only might you win Stephanie's book, but you also might end up being in our guest story segment. So that is so much fun. If you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, definitely join the Fancy Free Facebook group. We have a lot of fun in there. It's our private little slice of the internet. And the question of the week this week is, what is your Enneagram type? Make sure you click the subscribe button so that new episodes pop into your feed each week. Have a wonderful week. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look. <laughs>